people in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12. As we've been going through this time, this series of teaching, beginning for, with the very first Gospel, the Gospel of Matthew, Matiahu in the Hebrew. And what is important to Yeshua during that day is an eternal importance to us. And so when he speaks on certain things and he shows great importance on that, we should do so likewise, that we are to personalize these things. So Father God, now as we enter in your presence, we thank you for our time of worship. Now we enter into your presence of the teaching and the preaching of your word. May your word come forth with all that you desire it to do. May you show us to hear the voice of the Spirit of the living God, the Ruach HaKodesh, so that he will be able to speak to us how to apply your word. Because, Lord, there are many times when we do not even know how to apply your word. But the Spirit of the living God who has been sent to us, the literal spirit that had Yeshua fulfill his call so that we could become believers, is now dwelling in the midst of us now, both corporately and in, as individual. And we ask on him to lead us into all truth as we hear the word of God being spoken today. Any commentary or tradition or doctrine of men, may we be able to set that aside and hear what the spirit of the living God is breathing into his people this day. We ask this in Yeshua's name, amen. Today's message is part two, and the title of this message is Yeshua Defines the Unforgivable Sin. Let us turn now to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12, and beginning at verse 22. That's Matthew chapter 12, 22. You've also probably heard this in some translations as the unpardonable sin. And this is speaking against the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God, and then claiming that what you've seen that is being manifested is by another power, the power being Hasatan, another kingdom. And so that is what Yeshua is drawing out of his people at this time. He's speaking to the Pharisees here and the Torah teachers because what is happening now is that he's boldly proclaiming himself as the son of God the promised Mashiach and Messiah. But the people who are looking at him, the learned and the religious of that day are looking at him and saying, but how can he claim this when we know this? We know where he was born. We know who his mother and who his father were. But it's amazing. They knew who his earthly father was, but not, not who his biological father is. And I know this is kind of a thing that kind of twists our minds here. Because as we study and read the scripture, the report is this. That the spirit of living God came upon Miriam, Yeshua, Jesus' mother, all right? But what does the scripture say? That Abba, Father, is his father. That's part of the beauty of the Trinity here. And as you focus on that, the spirit of the living God revealed that to you. That the Trinity of the Godhead, both Father, Son, and Ruach, each are part of the Trinity and they're unified. And so with the spirit of the living God descending and going on top of, as the scripture says, Miriam and that moment in that hour when Yeshua was conceived, that was a holy thing. The father was the author of that. 
but it was done through the Ruach. And then some of us, we think, we say, well, these are three separate parts of the Godhead, the deity. But I tell you this, this is part of the echad, essence of it. Because Yeshua, though he was God next to his father, it says that through him, nothing was made. That through his spoken word, the heavens, the earth, and everything that was made was created. And sometimes there's a mix-up here, and we try to define things in certain categories. But as I say this to you, this is the unity of the deity of Messiah. And so these Pharisees, they're saying this, we know his mother, we know his earthly father, and this is merely just a carpenter's son. He has not gone to our schools of learning. He does not have credentials from us. But you know what is happening here? The trump of God is being revealed. Because here is a man who's walking the provision and the power of the Ruach to the extent far beyond any of the prophets who had ever done before this time. We read in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, of different prophets who had miraculous powers of raising dead, healing the sick, casting out demons. But here is one who's doing it in such a great manifold power of God that has never been seen before. And so what now what the, the Pharisees, the Torah teachers are trying to do is they're trying to dissuade the people. Because what is happening is the people, what's being birthed in their heart is, could this be the promised Messiah? That's what's being birthed in their hearts. And you know what? It's not all the Torah teachers and all the Purushim, all the Pharisees here that are, are going against Yeshua. And here's a divide that's going on. So let us begin in Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Then some of the people brought him a man controlled by demons who was blind and mute. Yeshua healed him so that he could speak and see. The crowds were astonished and asked, this couldn't be the son of David, could it? But when the Persian, the Pharisees heard of it, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, or Beelzebub in some translations, the ruler of demons, that this man drives out demons. However, knowing what they were thinking, Yeshua Jesus said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every city or household divided against itself will not survive. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. So how can his kingdom survive? Besides, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul or Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So now they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of Abba, Father God, has come upon you. Or again, how can someone break into a strong man's house and make off with his possessions? Unless he tries, ties up the strong man, and after that he can ransack his house. Those who are not with me are against me. Those who do not gather with me are scattering. Because of this, I tell you that the people will be forgiven any sin and blasphemy. But blasphemy against the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God, will not be forgiven. Verse 32. One can say something against the Son of Man and be forgiven. But whoever keeps on speaking, underline that, keeps on speaking against the Ruach, the spirit of the living God will never be forgiven. Neither in the olam hazeh, which is in this world or this age, nor in the olam haba, which is the world to come and the age to come. 
So Yeshua is giving this warning because he's looking at these Torah teachers and these Pharisees who are the religious leaders, all right? And they've been at this for a long time and the people put their trust because here is the examples before the people of how a man and woman and child is to live a godly life. But who now comes on the scene? But he who gave the Torah, he who is the promised Mashiach, the son of David, the son of Abba, Father God. And now he wants to give the right interpretation of Torah. And he's warning them, you guys are now going towards the edge here where you're beginning to deny the Father's presence in and through the Son. And some of you may be saying, well, that's great for that time. But I tell you this, I've seen in my life as a believer, men and women of God who've been strong in their faith, serving the Lord and building his kingdom, but because of a hidden sin in their lives that they did not bring before the Lord and say, I repent of this sin, and Lord, give me the strength to remove this sin from my life on a continual daily basis. They went and they became forsaken in the eyes of the Lord because they embraced their sin more than their relationship with the Lord. And I say this to you, no matter how old you are in the Lord, whether you're young or old, Hasatan, Satan will come and tempt you in these things. And he'll try to put a wedge of separation with your personal relationship with the Lord. And that's why I'd earnestly tell you men who are here and those who are listening on the podcast, we have some young men from Bethel um, Baptist University. Is that correct? Bethlehem Baptist Church, who are in the process of seeking after the Lord and allowing the Spirit of the living God to reveal his plan for their ministry for their lives. And so I would say to you young men and you older men who are here, who are not married, when you think of the idea of seeking out a mate, begin to pray that the Spirit of the living God will, will bring that right person to you preferably that individual is already a believer and that they would have the same heart and passion that you have and they'd recognize the calling that you have in your ministry. And I know this, the Lord can take individuals who are of a former faith that does not lift up the kingdom of God and where Yeshua is the center. And the Lord can take them and he can redeem them. He can reveal the truth of the gospel and the wife that you've been married to, maybe she was a non-believer, maybe you were a non-believer in your past life. The Lord can ordain that, and he can sanctify that. Because I tell you this, even the orchestration before you become a believer, God is giving you a conscience where you're making choices in life. Even though you're a non-believer, you're moved to make a certain decision. And the Lord is guiding and leading you in all these aspects. So I tell you this, to prepare and know this, that the enemy will use anything. He'll use family members. He'll use anything to dissuade you from fulfilling your call of building the kingdom in the corporate body of Messiah. Amen? Amen. So here, here's the second argument that they had, these Pharisees. The argument now was against the accusation against Yeshua that it was, was rebellious. It was actually rebellion against Abba, Father God. Because what they were after this was that there was a divide happening. Because all these miracles, these signs and wonders that we're doing, and Yeshua wasn't quoting other 
Pharisees and other rabbis, he was simply proclaiming the word of God with all power and authority. And they had never seen anyone do this. He was not quoting per se Moshe, but he was saying of Moses certain things. But the people saw this. He spoke with authority and power that they'd never seen. And so now the the Perishim, the uh, Pharisees, they're now in leadership and they have power over the people. And now here's here's a struggle that's going on. Because some of the Pharisees, their hearts are being warmed because they they understand this. They've never heard anyone interpret Torah as Yeshua did and to give the exact interpretation of Torah and to live a life of Torah, of honoring Abba, Father, God. And so here's that divide that's going here. So continuing, the accusation of some of the Torah teachers and the Purushim was in direct opposition to what was actually, actually taking place. It was, in fact, an insurrection against Abba, Father God. They were in rebellion against him by proclaiming that the work of the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God, was done by Hasatan, Satan. This is a very serious thing to do. They should have had no question whatsoever the source of Yeshua's power. He had proclaimed it before, and he had demonstrated beyond question that in the many miracles that which were either aware they were aware of or had been observed personally, these miracles were directed in opposition to sin and Hasatan. He was calling the people out of these things. Yeshua healed every manner of disease and sickness. Lepers were cleansed, lame made to walk, and the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak. And Yeshua had raised the dead. Yeshua had power over the natural and the supernatural, including calming the winds and the sea. The casting out of demons. Yeshua also even had authority to forgive sin, which the Pharisees did not have that authority. Because a lot of us forget about this, what was going on with the sacrificial system. There were certain times of the year that Jewish people would bring animals for sacrifice. But also there was instructed in Torah, if you sinned against your neighbor, you were to bring a sacrifice. An animal had to, innocent animal had to die because of your sin. And so anyway, the priest would take that animal and, and sacrifice that animal, and that animal was put on the altar of sacrifice, and this was a daily going on. But you know what? The Pharisee, after that person had done that, he could not proclaim to him, now your sins are forgiven. But Yeshua, in the essence of just people repenting and recognizing that they're in sin in error, he was instituting them at this point that there was a better way because he was going to be the one permanent sacrifice for all sins. And that's why he had the power and authority to forgive sins. And that's why they were having, they were arguing with him over all these issues here. Yeshua proclaimed the truth and he refuted lies. All that Yeshua ever did or said demonstrated that he was from Abba, Father God, and he was against sin and Hasatan. Yet some of the religious leaders were so filled with envy and hatred that they attributed all that Yeshua did to Hasatan, the devil, instead of Abba, Father, God. Because, you know, just like what's going on in the political campaigns right now, a lot of times they don't want to talk about the issues, but what do they do? They dismirch 
the character of the person that they're running against. And that's what was happening here. Because the Pharisees, they could not argue with Jesus toe-to-toe anymore. They had to whisper into the crowd to start a rumor. And this rumor was that he was doing this by the power of Hasatan, the devil. So continuing. Their accusations against Yeshua were statements of of rebels. They were in rebellion against Abba, Father God. In Matthew 12, 29, Yeshua also shows that their accusation was foolish. How can someone break into a strong man's house and make off with his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? And after this, he can ransack the house. And you know what? As the people were listening to this, he was using very, very common sense to explain deep theology. And you individuals, you young men and women, as you speak the word of God, There are many times that he wants us to give it to a point where it's very, very simple. That a two or three-year-old can understand the aspects of God's word. Continuing, all Yeshua had ever done before them, including the miracles that he had just performed in casting out demons and making the blind and mute to see and talk, pointed out that he had authority over Hasatan and was not someone in subjection to Hasatan as the Pharisees had, had stated. The analogy is simple. You cannot rob someone's home if they are free to stop you. You must first overpower them and then tie them up. Then you can carry off their belongings. Yeshua has shown this by the case of the demonized man, that he has more power than Hasatan the devil. And he was able to bind him and to carry off what had formerly belonged to him. Their accusation against Yeshua was illogical, inconsistent, rebellious, and foolish. It only proved that they were in rebellion against Abba, Father God. In Matthew 12, 30, Yeshua explains what is to be against him. Those who are not with me are against me. Those who do not gather with me, they scatter. If anything, this served as a warning to the people around them, as a definite statement about some of the Torah teachers and some of the Pharisees who were blaspheming against him, Yeshua, but also the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God. In Jewish law, blasphemy means cursing or reviling against God or the king, who was God's representative. And if you look at this in a nutshell, they were standing before the king of kings and lord of lords, and they did not recognize him for who he was and what his authority was. No one is neutral, can be in a neutral position with Yeshua. Either you love him or you hate him, or you cannot be politically correct in this issue. They were either will, will be against him or for him. They will be either helping him or working against him in all aspects. No one will be able to stand before him and say, before the Lord God in heaven, as he's judging us all one day. Well, Lord, I just took the neutral option. I wasn't against you. It's it's black and white situation here. So we cannot be politically correct in this, in any aspect whatsoever. And that's the byline of of, of, uh, liberal thought right now, is it not? To accept what is not biblical by being politically correct. And that's a lie from the pit of hell.
and the enemy, and that is a scheme that he has placed in our country and all many nations. There are only two kingdoms, that of Abba, Father God, and that of Hasatan, the devil. You are either in one or you're in the other. Either Abba, Father God is your master or Hasatan, the devil, is your master. Does anyone remember that Bob Dylan hit from the 1980s, Slow Train a Coming? There's a lyric in that that he says this, either you will serve the devil or you will serve the Lord, but you will serve somebody. If you say you are your own master, then you only demonstrate your ignorance, ignorance that Hasatan is your master. In Romans 6.16, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, states it clearly. Do not, don't you know that in your, if you present yourself to someone as obedient slaves, then you are one whom you are obeying. You are slaves, whether of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to being made righteous. You are either slave to sin or slaves to obedience, to Abba, Father, God. The state of every person who is not a Talmudim, and that is a disciple of Messiah Yeshua, is a slave to sin. Rav Shaul also went on to, to clearly state this in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. You used to be dead in your, because of your sins and acts of disobedience. You walked in the ways of the Olam Hazeh, which is this age, and obeyed the ruler of the powers of the air, who is still at work among you, among the disobedient. Indeed, we all once lived this way, and we followed the passions of our old nature and obeyed the wishes of our old nature and our own thoughts. In our old natural condition, we were for Abba Father God's wrath, just like everyone else. And that is the state where the Lord found us, no matter where we were, before we became part of his redeemed people. You either belong to Abba Father God or you belong to Hasatan. There is no in-between here. There is no standing on the fence in this matter. It is enough to be just not being actively against or for Yeshua. You could be a very, very good citizen, a model citizen, but if you're not with Yeshua and if you're not living out your life for him, then you're building your own kingdom. And who's the author of that? Hasatan. Because how many times have you read of great men and women who've come to power, had great riches, and at a very, very young age or maybe older years, they came to the point where, is this everything? Because they lost out with God. Because I tell you this, there is a God void in everyone's heart that God specifically designed where only he could fulfill and give us the desire for true living. And that's the preparation that the Lord has for us. He's preparing us now on this earth to spend all eternity in his presence. And the spirit of living God has asked me in many times when I've been dealing with sin, personal sin in my own life, and that is this, why would Abba, Father God, want me to be with him in heaven throughout all eternity if I'm not willing to have a deep, intimate relationship with him every day? And when the Spirit of living God shared that with me as a young man, that just was like arrows to my heart. There was no hiding. There was no denial. I could not condone or manipulate what the Spirit of living God was sharing with me. And I had to deal with that sin. 
and the Lord delivered me. Blessed be his name. Either you belong to Abba, Father God, or you belong to Hasatan. There is no in-between for it. So which is it for you? In Matthew 12, 31 through 32, Yeshua pronounces the condemnation of these Torah teachers and the perishing that had brought upon themselves. They are walking in the error of their ways. And think about this for the moment. These were supposed to be the most learned religious leaders in the Jewish nation. And yet here they went off just a little bit. Has anyone ever used a compass to find, go from one destination to another? If you're off just by the slight, slightest degree, what happens? You will not reach your destiny, right? Because you'll go off course. And this is what the Pharisees and the Torah teachers, they were doing many good things, but on this one aspect. They were doing the very thing which would eternally separate them from the presence of Abba, Father God. And you may say to me, how can you say this? I give you this example, Rav Shaul, when he was in the presence of the living God and serving him and being trained as a Pharisee and those that were part of the way, the beginning of the body of Messiah, were demonstrating their faith in Messiah, what was he doing? He was in the process of persecuting and condemning. He was there at the very moment when Stephan, Stephen, he was the one there, if you read the scripture in Acts, he was the one that gathered the coats and he condoned the stoning of Stephen. And so he was on his way where? To Damascus, there to arrest those who were following after the way. But it's only by the Shekinah, Shekinah glory of God that was revealed to him, brighter than sun, it was the daytime, where God revealed to him himself. And what was his words to Rav Shaul? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Adonai? He says, I am Yeshua. And from that aspect forward, we know this. As the scripture says, from Yeshua's very lips, he said this, anyone who blasphemes the son shall be forgiven. And here's your example. So Yeshua is reaching out to these Torah teachers because he has love and compassion for them. And just as we as believers, we must always see those who do not know Messiah as simply lost. They have gone off their compass a certain amount of degrees. And what does scripture say to us? We're to what? To entreat them and bring them back, snatching them as, as the fire of flames are before them, as they're standing at the very precipice of the abyss, on the very edge, and we should have the compassion of Abba, Father, God, to reach out to these individuals, to go out of our way, go out of our comfort zone, so that they may be redeemed and put right back on the right course. And that's what Yeshua is doing here. The greatest message is this, that, that all sins can be forgiven except for one. That is the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. And as we saw in Scripture here earlier, that's not just one thing that's done haphazardly. It's a continuation. Just as Pharaoh hardened his heart against Abba, Father God, who was being manifested through Moshe, Moses. It was a gradual thing. And that's why we as believers, if there is sin in our lives, a hidden sin, we should bring that before the Father and ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, our minds, our souls, 
our spirits. If there's anything that is unclean before the Lord, show it to us so that we may go through what? Go through the process of repentance and to be restored. Because I say this to you, no sin can ever be, for, be forgiven unless the knowledge of that sin is rendered in that person's heart. And that person then comes to the decision of regret and true repentance comes. And there's been times, I have to be very, very honest with you, when the Lord has showed to me certain pet sins in my life and he's convicted my heart, I've had to press into the spirit of the living God and ask him to, to, to bring more of the conviction on my heart so I take this very, very seriously. Otherwise, that very sin could separate me from the presence of the Lord from all eternity. Amen? I know the scripture says our names are inscribed upon his hands, but what did Rav Shaul say? Work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. He always desired the spirit of the living God to bring him in the right relationship with Abba, Father God. And what did he say later in his message? I want to know Yeshua Jesus in his sufferings. Meditate on that. Think on that. Allow the spirit of living God to bring that into your heart, soul, and mind. Because what the enemy's one thing is to do is to bring you back into his kingdom. And he will pull out all his resources for that to come about. And that's what Yeshua is warning the Pharisees right here. Continuing. The degree of sin does not remove a person out of the realm of possibility of being forgiven. For even those that killed Yeshua on the execution stake, the Romans, were offered forgiveness, were they not? I know this. Someone will argue, well, the Romans did not kill him. Well, who drove the, the nails in his hands and feet? All right? But Yeshua said this, no man takes my life. I lay it down freely. All right? And that's why Yeshua said, to his father before he expired upon the execution stake, that tree. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. All right? Because we as Jewish people have been branded as Christ killers for centuries. And that's why when Yeshua said this, that I lay my own life of my own accord, for the redemption of all people, of all nations. So continuing, the volume of sin does not end the possibility of Abba Father God's forgiveness. An old man who has lived a life of sin all his life is just as forgivable as a child who has done nothing more than the characteristic foolishness that children have. The, that particular kind of sin also does not cancel Abba Father God's grace in extending the offer of forgiveness. In scripture, we have examples of every kind of sin that has been forgiven. King David was not only an adulterer, but he was also dishonest in his attempt to cover up that, ended, that he ended up committing murder. Continuing, the, there were many sins of the woman in Luke chapter 7 that were forgiven. How about the prodigal sons? Rebellious living was also forgiven in Luke 15. Rav Shaul's pre-faith in Messiah Yeshua and the persecution of the Messianic 
community was was forgiven. That's in Acts one, Acts nine one through twenty two. When it comes to the blaspheme of the against Yeshua, who could have been worse than Kepha Peter, who knew Yeshua so well that he denied him with cursings, and yet he was forgiven. That's out of Matthew twenty six sixty nine through seventy five. There is a great hope for all of us because of this wonderful truth. It means that you and I can be forgiven. But do we really understand and do we apply that to our lives and the lives of others? You can be forgiven if we repent and ask Abba, Father God, to forgive us. He will and he shall change our lives. But there is one thing that cannot be forgiven. That is the blaspheme against the spirit of the living God. Blaspheming is that is insulting, the Ruach HaKodesh, consists in either one, willfully continuing to deny the good news when the spirit of the living God has made it clear to you and has made the revelation that it is true. Second is attributing the works of the Ruach HaKodesh to the adversary Hasatan. In this present context, these amount to be the same. They're one and the same. One leads to another. Why is, sin, why is this sin so unforgivable, the blaspheming against the spirit of the living God? Because the Ruach has done everything possible to bring that person to repentance. And think about that. The reasons why these demons were being cast out of these people, the reasons why these people were being healed, is that the, they were being shown that the repentance of God was what was desired most of all. And Yeshua was demonstrating that he had all power and authority over Hasatan's kingdom. Such was the case with all Yeshua had done before these few Torah teachers and Pharisees. What could be more done than had been done? And so now he's warning them, you're right on the precipice here of denying Abba, Father God. This one was not something done haphazardly, but was something that was willful and deliberate. It reflected a heart that is to harden it in sin, as were some of the Pershim who were plotting to murder Yeshua. This sin becomes unpardonable because the person committing it is unwilling to tread the path that leads to pardon. And I know this as the Spirit of the living God speaks to us in the privacy when we spend time in our prayer. And he reveals sin in our lives. There are times when we just kind of push that aside. And we don't see the seriousness of that. The spirit of the living God is here to lead us into all truth and to one day present us before the Father. Many of us who have been in ministry for many years will have people come to us from time to time. And they will say, well, I believe I've, I've committed the unpardonable sin. As a minister of the gospel, I've sat in counsel with these people. They're broken. Their, their eyes are like a fountain. They're crying out before the Lord because they believe that they've committed the unpardonable sin. And so I would simply ask them, what have they done? And many times it's other things. I said, have you ever attributed any power work of God through a man or a woman as being towards Hasatan, the devil? No. Have you denied the truth of Yeshua to the point or you will not have anything more to do with them. They say no. I say this, the very 
evidence of you coming before me and being convicted of sin shows me that the spirit of the living God is still working in your life. And so I say this to you, you are not and you have not committed the unpardonable sin. Then we spend a time of prayer and reading and studying the word of God. Because I tell you this, Satan Hasatan always desires to twist the word of God. He desires us to walk in condemnation so that we would turn our backs on the Lord. The Holy Spirit only convicts our hearts, souls, and spirits with the sin in our lives so that we would show and prove fruits of repentance so we go through seasons and times of repentance so that we can be restored. And I say this to you, every sin that we repent of, the Father will restore us through his love and his tender mercies. Blaspheme against the Ruach HaKodesh is a result of gradual progress in sin. First, the Ruach HaKodesh is grieved. This is Ephesians 4.30. Do not cause grief to God's Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of living God, for he has stamped you as his property. Do you hear that? You are the property of the spirit of living God. You've been marked with what? The first taste and the first gift of salvation when you became a born-again believer. You are his property until the day of final redemption. And if unrepented of that leads to res resisting the Ruach, Acts 7.15, stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you continually oppose the Ruach HaKodesh, which is persisted, develops into the quenching of the spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, don't quench the spirit of the living God. This is how a person develops a seared consciousness. I'll share with, this, with you this very, very boldly. I knew a strong believer in the gospel, a great friend of mine. We used to go out and share the good news in the streets of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Later, he got married, all right? But he had a problem with lust after women. He got married, and this was years later. He came up to me, and he said this, Frank. You know what? I've been studying the scripture, and it says that David was a man after God's own heart. And I said, yes. And he said, did you notice some of the things that David did? He had many wives. He had many concubines. He had many affairs. But he was a man after God's own heart. I said, so what's your point? He said this, even though I'm married, I believe now in open marriage. I said, wait a second. That's wrong. David was a man after God's own heart because when he, the sin was revealed to him, he did acts of repentance and he was restored to relationship with Lord. But there were consequences he paid. I said, are you willing to pay these consequences? And he looked at me and he said, Frank, this is a brand new revelation from the Lord. I said, no, it's not. This is sin. And I tell you as a brother in Messiah to repent of this sin. Well, Continuation of that story, he persisted in that open marriage lifestyle and he's divorced today. His wife is remarried to a godly man, but he's gone his own way. That's where any individual, and I say this to you very, very boldly, whatever sin there is in your life that becomes like a pet sin, take that and remove it from your life and ask the Holy Spirit. And that's why men and women should be in what? 
in communication with one another. And you should be able to go up to a brother and sister that you've shared some of these pet sins with in confidence and say, how are you doing this week? There has to be accountability in the body of Messiah. Amen? So that we become more than conquerors in Christ, in Yeshua. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit expressly states that in the Arkit Hamin, that is the last days, some people will apostatize their faith by paying attention to deceiving spirits, things taught to them by demons. Such teachings have come from hypocrisy of liars and whose own conscience, consciousness have been burned or seared with a red-hot branding iron. Sin should always be taken seriously, for it is a desire to take over our lives and lead us into eternal separation from Abba, Father, God, and our dwelling place shall be the eternal lake of fire. The solution to sin is found in Telhelim, which is Psalms 95, 7, and 8. And this is David speaking. If only today you would listen to his voice. Do not harden your hearts if the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, is speaking to you, that your heart may be right now. Then now deal with it. To put it off is the risk of descent into a seared consciousness that will no longer listen to the Ruach HaKodesh. That is a very dangerous place to be. If the Ruach is working on your heart and bringing some sin of commission or omission, we are, we are going to give you a chance now to go before Yeshua and ask for forgiveness. And so, Father God, right now, as we practice, as we walk by faith, right where we're sitting or standing, we ask now for the Spirit of the living God to reveal to us if there is sin in our lives. And Father God, we thank you that you've sent the Spirit of the living God to lead us in all truth. Now these sins that you've revealed to us, we ask now, Abba, Father God, we give these sins to you. We ask that we would repent. We repent in Yeshua's name. And we ask, Almighty God, that you will restore us to a right relationship. We, divine, we bind the demonic horde who desire for us to flee from the presence of the living God. We thank you, Father God, for giving us our sins and bringing us to a right relationship with you. To your name be all glory and honor and praise in Yeshua's name. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.